Hey, kids. <laughs> Thank you, children and Dave. Uh, the kids are in the service today. We do this once a month. We're strategic about it. We really believe that uh, children are human beings, and uh, they are created in the image of God, and he has called them to know and love and follow Jesus. So we get uh, the joy of serving along or praising alongside of them, learning alongside of them. Uh, and growing alongside of them. And so I'm, I'm so glad that they're in the service uh, this morning. This morning, I told uh, one of my boys, uh, I said, I'm excited about this morning. We get to talk about one of my favorite things. We get uh, to talk about supper. We get to talk about food. And uh, his reply was, is it gluten-free? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, yeah, no. It's, it's not gluten-free. But we are going to talk about food. We are going to talk about uh, a meal, actually. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but uh, meals can both be enjoyable and can have uh, lots of meaning. Meals have meaning. Uh, sometimes we think food is just about the food, but actually, uh, oftentimes when we sit down for uh, a meal, it can represent or signify something more than just the meal itself. Take, for instance, a wedding. Who here has been to a wedding before? Yes, we've been to weddings before, and we have celebrated after a wedding by uh, gathering together with family and friends uh, and celebrating uh, new love and new uh, life, and it is a time to rejoice. When you go to a wedding, the parents uh, of the groom celebrate the fact that there is a daughter who has been welcomed into the family, the, the parents, the mom or dad of the bride ponder how they're going to pay for the 200 meals that they just bought for everyone who was there that uh, morning. The bride and the groom celebrate their uh, new life together. It is a, a meal that has significance. Uh, it's not just a wedding, though, where you experience a meal with significance. It could be something as simple as a birthday party. Uh, my daughter, Amelia, is turning Seven. I hope she's here, by the way. Melissa's not here this morning, and so I haven't seen Amelia since like eight. Is she here? Oh, good. Praise the Lord. Thank you for taking care of her and raising her. Love you, sweetie. Uh, we asked her recently, Amelia, what would you like to have to eat uh, for your birthday? And she said, I want pancakes. And I thought, just when I thought I couldn't love you anymore, like we get to make pancakes for her birthday and her friends are going to come and they're going to celebrate, but they're not going to walk away and probably think those pancakes were the best pancakes I've ever had. They're going to go, I'm so glad that Amelia is my friend, right? That's a meal with significance. There are hundreds of meals that we have each and every year, and each and every meal that we have has some sort of significance. Even a pizza meal, right? Even a pizza meal is a significant meal. It's a meal that we eat where we're like, I don't have time to cook. I don't want to cook. I want to do something easy. And so we call and we order pizza, and we have an opportunity not just to enjoy a slice of pepperoni pizza, but we have an opportunity to be grateful for God's provision and caring for our needs. Uh, meals have meaning, and this morning uh, I want to talk to you about a meal in Scripture uh, that has a ton of meaning. 
Uh, the meal is recorded in Mark chapter 14, and so if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me there. Mark uh, chapter 14, beginning in verse 12. It says, And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him, and wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. There prepare for us. And the disciples sent out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. Uh, Jesus is entering what will be the last hours of his life. He has entered the city of uh, Jerusalem. And the time that Jesus enters Jerusalem is really significant. Uh, it is the time of Passover. Uh, and Passover was a very, very, very important meal for God's people. As a matter of fact, the Passover meal had been celebrated and remembered for 1,500 years uh, before Jesus uh, had this particular meal with his disciples. A uh, Passover was a time when uh, God's people, the Jewish people, would gather together and remember a time when God delivered them from slavery. Do you remember the story? Do, re do you remember when when? God sent Moses to tell Pharaoh, hey, let my people go. And, and Pharaoh was kind of a bit of a stubborn man, and he wouldn't. And so uh, God very justly and rightly uh, sent plagues upon uh, the people so Pharaoh would let the people go. Uh, the Passover was significant because the last plague was one when uh, God took the firstborn of people and uh, of livestock, and he told his people, I want you to, to sacrifice, make a sacrifice and take the blood and put it on the doorpost, and you will, be, you will be passed over. God will spare your life. And so God's people for 1,500 years remembered this meal when God delivered them, and he rescued them, and he saved them. Uh, we spend most of our lives forgetting things, uh, but there are certain things that God wants us to remember. But there are certain things that God wants us to remember. It's easy for us to forget our past or to move on from our past or to lose sight of our past. But there are times when God uh, wants us to remember our past. Not so that we live in the past, but so that we're changed by the past. A Passover supper, the Passover meal was an opportunity for God's people to remember the goodness and the justice and the grace and the mercy of their God. So the story is told in Mark 14 where Jesus told his disciples, I want you to go into the city and, and find a, a man with, with water. This was significant because it might surprise you, but the person who did the heavy lifting when it came to transporting uh, a, a jar of, of water or, or, or a, a container of water was not the man. It was a woman. 
And so for Jesus to tell the disciples, I want you to go and, and find a man carrying the water was significant. It was a way that his disciples would know this is the person that Jesus is talking about. And so he sends them uh, to go and to find this man. And they find the man. They find this place where they will have uh, the Last Supper. It says in Mark 14, verse 17, And when it was evening, he came with the twelve, and they were reclining at the table and eating. I don't know what you think about when you think of uh, the Last Supper, but oftentimes we think of this, this painting of the Last Supper. You've seen it before. It's been around for hundreds of years. We have this picture in our mind of, of this kind of rectangular table, and Jesus is sitting there, and he's flanked by his disciples. I just want you to know that's not how it went down. Right? So if that's the idea that you have in your mind of the Last Supper, it, it didn't look like that. Right? Instead, Jesus and his disciples found themselves at what was in essence a kind of a C-shaped or a U-shaped sort of table. And it wasn't a table that would sit like four feet off the ground that people would sit down at like this. It was a table that maybe was two feet off the ground. And instead of sitting at the table, they literally would lay down at the table. The table went from order of importance. And so the person uh, who would have been in John's spot was uh, seen as an important person. The host of the meal was next to him. That would have been Jesus. Uh, next to Jesus more than likely was Judas. Perhaps across uh, the table was Peter. The other disciples uh, were around the table. That's why you can understand the disciples were arguing about who was the greatest uh, it also explains in many ways why there may have been conversations that took place at the table that other disciples uh, did not hear. And so Jesus and his disciples are at this table, uh, and Jesus just drops this bombshell on his disciples. Right? He, he had alluded to this in his earthly ministry, but here he's going to be really clear with the disciples about what's going to take place next. Verse 18 says, Jesus said, truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and to say to him one after another, is it I? He said to them, it is one of the twelve. One who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And think about that for a moment. You are, are surrounded by Jesus and the other disciples. These are people that you had grown to know and love. These are people that you walked with. These are people who you left everything to follow Jesus alongside of. These are the people that you would look around and think to yourself, if everything in my life falls apart, these people will stay by my side. I can count on them. If, if I'm in trouble, I can call them. Uh, I can text. We can meet up. These are the people that are going to come to my aid. And Jesus says in that moment, a one of you, one of you will betray me. Now that news would be significant, even in a room like this. Even in a room like this, if I said, like, one of you is going to roll out. Someone here isn't who they claim to be. Someone here is fooling you. It probably would cause you to look over your shoulder and maybe behind you or in front of you and think, who, who is it? 
Well, Jesus is in a room with just his disciples, and he's like, one of you, one of you is going to roll out. I don't know if you've ever been at a table before uh, where difficult news has been delivered. Have you been there before? Maybe you've sat across the table from a loved one before when uh, they have have told you uh, news about a sickness or an illness. Maybe you've sat across the table from your spouse before when uh, they came home early from work and they said, hey, I was let go today. Maybe you've been there uh, before with uh, your kids and, and had to share difficult news for them. Kids, maybe you've been at a table before when you've asked something of your parents, something that you hope for, that you long for, that you desire and dream of, and your parents give you that very difficult news that you're not going to be able uh, to do what you want to do. Have you, been at a, have you ever been at a table before where difficult news has been delivered? This was uh, the most difficult news that uh, had ever uh, been delivered. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, one of you will betray me. Psalm 41 verse 9, a Davidic psalm says, even my friend in whom I trusted, one who ate my bread has raised his heel against me. So the disciples find themselves at uh, the table. It was not an accident that they were there, right? It wasn't happenstance uh, that, that Jesus was there at the time of Passover because Passover was a significant meal, and he is going to do something in these next moments that had never been done uh, before. It says in verse 22, as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God." The Passover meal typically uh, had someone who would kind of initiate the meal. There were uh, four, um, four cups, four wine glasses, and they would speak and kind of tell the story of how God had delivered uh, his people. Oftentimes they would uh, read a passage similar to Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. It says, Say therefore, To the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burden of the Egyptians." So typically, God's people would remember that they were rescued from Egypt, that they were freed from slavery, that they were redeemed by the power of God, and that their relationship with Yahweh had been uh, renewed. But Jesus does something unique right now in this meal that had not been done before. He takes an event that had happened in the past that had significance uh, 1,500 years ago, and he's going to go, let me, let me show you a different picture, right? Yes, the disciples would have thought back and remembered what God, their father, had done 1,500 years ago, but Jesus is going to show them that this meal has significance for them, 
right? On, on, on that day, Jesus still does this. Jesus takes uh, the bread. The bread was unleavened bread. The reason that it was unleavened is because God's people had to leave in a hurry. And they didn't have time to put the yeast in the bread and let, let the bread rise. And so the unleavened bread was a sign of haste. But also, uh, bread was a sign of life. It was sustenance for uh, people. People are like, this is, what we, this is what we eat. This is how we live. This is how we survive. And so Jesus uh, takes that bread and he says, take this is my body. Jesus, in essence, is saying uh, to his disciples uh, that he is life. Uh, he is life and he gives life uh, to people. Right? When we come to the table in just a few moments, we are going to pass uh, the elements. We're going to pass uh, the, the bread, the, the, the cracker. And if you're not careful, it, it just seems like some random gluten-free cracker. Right, but it is significant. It is more than that because it represents the, the body of Jesus that was broken, that was given for you and for me. It is a sign of us taking on life uh, as we come to Jesus. So Jesus takes what was very familiar uh, to the disciples, unleavened bread, and he says this, this is my body, this, this body that is broken uh, for you, Jesus invites us into uh, life with him. But we're also reminded that Jesus not only gives new life, but he gives a new relationship. Do you notice what verse uh, 24 uh, says? It's, it reads, and he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Um, historically, the way that God operated with his people was through covenant. Um, the Old Testament talks about covenants that God had with his people. A covenant was a, a relationship, a partnership, a way that God interacted with his creation. And so we read about uh, a covenant with Noah. We read uh, about a, a covenant with Abraham, a covenant with Israel, God's people, a covenant with David. And this was a way that God interacted with his people. It was a partnership. And oftentimes it was set up in such a way that God said, if you obey these commands, then this is what you can expect. Right? If you follow these rules, then you will experience life to the fullest. And if you're familiar with the Old Testament story, oftentimes whenever God would set up a covenant with his people, like, it didn't end well. Right? It, ne it never ended well. Like, we read these stories about these characters in Scripture, and oftentimes we make heroes out of them, but oftentimes uh, their, their failures are close at hand. Right? So Jesus set up this partnership with people and said, if you do this, if you operate this way, this is what you can expect. And the people, eventually, they went their own way. But Jesus comes onto uh, the scene, and he does what the people never could do. Jesus obeys the Old Testament law perfectly. He followed all of, of the rules. And so Jesus is, is ushering in a, a new covenant, a new relationship that he's going to have with his people. But it's not going to be based on their performance. And it's going to be based on the performance of Jesus. He says this blood is, is the blood of the, the new covenant. Oftentimes at that Passover meal, they would... They would drink wine. It would, it would represent the, the blood of the Passover lamb that was, that was spilt for the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus is saying, no, there's a, there's a new way of operating. 
I want to, I want to give you, I want to give you a, a new kind of relationship uh, with me. Jesus not only gives new life, but he gives a new relationship. And he also gives new hope. Right, so we're going to come to the table in, in a minute, and we're going to take the bread, and we're going to remember that the body of Jesus was broken for us. He was the, the perfect sacrifice. We're going to remember that his blood was spilled for you, uh, and for me it was the one-time sacrifice that was good enough once and uh, for all. And we're going to remember the new hope uh, that we have because of Jesus. Verse 25 of Mark 14 says, Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Right? Communion, the, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, this is an opportunity for God's people to declare that Jesus is coming again. Right? In, in many ways, it is an appetizer of what is to come. There will be a time when uh, we sit at the table with Jesus. Like Jesus has a chair for you and for me. He has uh, a plate for you, a setting for you at his table. And when we take communion, it is a looking forward to that time when we will sit down uh, with our Savior. Jesus gives new life. He's given us a new relationship. He invites us into a new hope. In this meal, we're told in Scripture, here's the beautiful thing, is for you. Right? It's, it's for you. It's, it's not just for the disciples 2,000 years ago. It's not just for uh, your mom or your dad. It's not just for uh, your friends or for the folks that you know at church. It is for you. So the, the God of the universe that made you and knows you and loves you has invited you to the table. Right? You, you get to come. You get to come and eat uh, with Jesus. Isn't that one of the things that's beautiful about a meal? It's not, it's not just the food. The, the, the food can be great, but oftentimes what makes meals fantastic is, is, is not what we eat, but who we eat with. Right? The, the meals that we remember are meals when we are surrounded by a family or by friends or by loved ones. Earlier this morning, I showed you a picture of a pizza. I don't know if you know this or not, but that is the best pizza I ever ate in my entire life. The best pizza I ever ate in my life. It's a pizza with one topping and it has sausage on it. Uh, that particular pizza uh, can only be purchased in New York. Right? But, but what I love about that pizza is not the fact that it had the perfect amount of cheese on top, although I will tell you, it had the perfect amount of cheese on top. What made that pizza perfect was not the fact that the sausage, oh, the sausage, the sausage was good. The reason that that pizza was not perfect, uh, the, the reason that that pizza was perfect was not because of the sauce. Although I will tell you, it's the best sauce that I ever had in my life. 
The reason that that pizza is perfect was not even because it was purchased in New York City by someone other than me. Although it was purchased in New York City by someone other than me. Uh, The reason that that pizza is the best pizza that I've ever had in my entire life is because I ate that pizza with two friends. And it was late at night. And I should have been in bed. But we had this crazy idea at 11.30 to go get a pizza. And so we sat at this little booth with some old guy that was singing Sinatra tunes and going in the back and making pizza and coming out and sweeping the floors and singing songs and bussing tables and pouring drinks. And I sat there at 11.30, at 12, at 12.30 uh, from across two guys uh, that I love. And they are friends. Right? What, what makes for a great meal it's not just the food, it's not just the elements, it is the people that you eat with. And the God of the universe wants to eat with you. Jesus, Jesus, he invites you to the table. Won't you come? Why don't you come and eat with him? Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you that uh, because of Jesus, you uh, invite us uh, to your table. What an immense joy that we have as your people uh, to sit and to eat with you. Lord, this morning we uh, remember Jesus, uh, his body that was broken, his blood that was spilled. And we give thanks uh, to you uh, for the new relationship uh, that we have because of him. God, this morning I pray that you would uh, cause us to pause, uh, to reflect, and to remember Lord, would you spiritually uh, nurture us as we partake uh, of the elements? God, we love you, and we thank you so much for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your Spirit. Amen.